You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kandorian Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit KMLawyers.com and mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's KMLawyers.com. we got a big event coming up on February 2nd as a show. This will be a blast. It's 106.7 The Fan versus the Team 90 at Bethesda Theater, February 2nd at 8 p.m. Your favorite host from 106.7 The Fan and the guys across the hall will have a great night of debate on air, off air, on stage, uncensored, featuring all the folks that you know. Get your tickets today at BethesdaTheater.com, presented by Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local, put their team in your office. Visit MStreetBank.com for more info. Let's go to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Tata Win. I love his work in The Athletic. You can check him out at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. Does a really good job breaking down the All-22 and always gives me some things to think about after he watches the game back. Uh, Ted, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us in D.C. How are you? No problem. Thanks for having me on. But first time on a show and you got me following uh, Jay Gruden after the spat with RG3. (laughs) Pretty much. This is right. Yeah, no pressure. (laughs) Are you in any Twitter feuds we need to know about, Ted? Uh, No, I mean, I, 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 I thought... I don't know if you guys watched the Niners game, but that third down pass to uh, to Juan Jennings, I thought it was a lucky pass. I said it on Twitter that it was lucky, and Niners fans have been grilling me ever since, so maybe I'm just spatting with go. the uh, Niners fans just right now. Just don't say anything bad about Tua. I learned that the hard way this year. I, I, I mean, the oh, yeah. amount, I, I think I got, oh, my God, probably. It was, it was like millions of tweets. I've never seen anything like it. That guy's got a following, dude. Oh yeah, Dolphins Twitter is—they're—they're they're ruthless. They'll come after you. They will, no doubt about it. All right, there's a lot of ground to cover here, so I want to go through some of the games, preview the matchups. But I guess let's start with San Francisco. What did you think of Purdy? The numbers ended up okay. The final drive was huge, but he did miss a lot of throws. Would you be nervous if you were Kyle Shanahan going into Detroit to match up this weekend? No, I mean, I, I knew coming into the game that rain was going to be a factor. We just didn't know how much it would be a factor. And I was there at the game, and as soon as I started, I, I saw it starting to pour in. I, you know, I knew this was going to be a messy game. I knew the Niners weren't going to cover um, because Brock really struggles with throwing the rain. He, um, this, so this game was the worst game he's had as far as off-target percentage. The second worst game was in Week Six when. They played the Browns in the rain. So he has small hands, and he just can't throw in the rain. Uh, but luckily for the Niners, there's going to be clear weather ahead. And then if they make it to the Super Bowl, they're going to be playing at a dome. So we'll see the old, the old Brock Purdy. We won't see him, you know, losing control of the ball and slipping. And I think that kind of got to his head. Ted, you broke this down. I, I noticed this in real time. 
I didn't know what I was looking at because I'm just a pudgy rube that likes football. But you broke this down really well on your on your uh, your Twitter account. The, the touchdown by Christian McCaffrey, that running play, where it looked like a tight end was about to go in motion, and then Purdy told him, no, 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 stay right there, and then they just ran the play anyway, and it went for a TD. Break that down for us. What did we see there? So uh, on that play, it gets really close to being a delayed game. It gets snapped at zero, which is legal. You know, I don't think some fan, fans understand that, but it is legal for the ball to be snapped at zero. Uh, but what happened was it was a run play called to the left. Purdy saw the defense, and he flipped the play to the right, which is why it got really close to the end of the play clock. And uh, usually on that play, there's a tight end motion. So you check the uh, fullback, and he's the one who told me about all this, um, tried to get the tight end, uh, Charlie Warner, to flip to the other side to motion. Uh, but Purdy knew there wasn't enough time for that motion to happen. He also knew – that motion was unnecessary, and he told the tight end to stay there, and he snapped the ball right at zero, and um, the play gets called and it ends up being a touchdown. And I just thought it was really interesting because, um, you know, we, we, don't, we as fans don't see and know about all these things, but, you know, there's so many little operational stuff that happens within the game that could really decide it. I mean, who knows what happens if um, a delayed game gets called or he wastes a timeout in that play and it, and it doesn't happen. You know, it, it could totally change the outcome of the game. I'm sure you've gone back through Chiefs' bills already. I saw a couple of the videos you posted uh, of Josh Allen and otherwise. Uh, as you crunched that game, uh, what did you find? What stood out to you? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think, you know, with the Chiefs, they made the correct call to get into heavier sets, 12, 13 personnel, and, and really run the ball uh, down the Bills' throats. I mean, you know, this offense just doesn't have the receivers and weaponry that uh, we, we've seen in the past, and they really need to lean into that run game and kind of trust their defense, and that's what they did. And Mahomes made plays uh, too, but they also rushed for over 100, and it was a big part of why um, they, they were able to beat the Bills, who had some struggles with, you know, with linebacker injuries. Uh, so that was big. And, you know, it, just seeing some of the narratives that are floating around right now about, you know, how Josh Allen this, you know, can't be considered an elite QB or he's the Phillip Rivers of this generation just makes me laugh because, like, this guy played a great game. You know, I, I know his passing numbers didn't end up good, but they only punted twice. He, he rushed for, I believe, 70 yards and two touchdowns. He put the, the Bills in position to, to score that uh, game-tying uh, game field, field goal, but Tyler Bass missed it. And on the second and nine, and I broke this down on Twitter, it was the correct throw to throw to Shakira in the end zone. He was open, but Chris Jones, who's had, you know, a ton of great playoff and Super Bowl moments, just bull rushed the left tackle right into his lap and he couldn't make the throw. Um, so I thought Allen played great. And then, I, you know, it, it kind of played out exactly how most people thought uh, whoever had the ball last was going to decide this game. So Ted, it's funny you mentioned this about Allen, right? The the narratives are always so funny to me. Like where a bunch of people before this year would say, well, the Ravens can't win it all with Lamar Jackson. Someone who's in his mid to early twenties. Well, I just think they haven't yet. This year might change that same kind of thing with Allen where they've had double digit wins since he's been a full-time starter since 2019. They've just happened to be in the same conference as Pat Mahomes. I don't think it's, they can't win. I just think they haven't yet. And whether, you know, if we look back and he's 40 years old and he never gets past this point, okay, we we can come up with a story, but it's weird to me when people say can't, I just say hasn't yet. Yeah. And it's tough because these guys are great quarterbacks and they're playing against, you know, maybe the greatest quarter, you know, greatest quarterback of all time. If he keeps, 
playing the way he does and keeps winning games the way he does, you know, nobody's going to be surprised if you, we talk about Patrick Mahomes as possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. So it just sucks that he's their contemporary. He's what he has, they have to compete with uh, year in, year out. And we'll see if Lamar ha- is going to be able to beat him uh, this weekend. Ted Wynn is with us. The Athletic joining us on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Uh, other games this weekend. Detroit survived Tampa Bay 31-23. I'm pulling for Ben Johnson to get the head coaching job here in Washington. I'm sure you've studied the Lions quite a bit over the last couple of years. Why is Johnson's scheme so good, and why do people like him so much? Man, he's been putting on a, a master class throughout the playoffs with this his play designs and um, you know, obviously he's designed a passing offense that's really fit Goff's strengths and um, it's just the details. Like, you know, Goff has struggled with the blitz in the past, but um, it, it's not like he's gotten magically nailed against the blitz this season. It's just the lines are so good at picking, picking up the blitz and giving him time. His numbers when he's pressured still aren't that great, but the, the lines are very talented on the offensive line and they're good at picking the blitz, and a lot of that is coaching. Um, there's so much creativity in their run game and some of the plays they, they do, the trick plays. Um, you know, that, that play where they pull Panay Sewell around was just genius because they love running trap plays, which Sewell kicks out the DN. But instead of kicking out the DN, he fakes like his kicker out the DN, gets the DN to freeze, and then he just continues to loop out to the, the corner. And then you have Jamar, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, running a counter behind him. So just little creativity, things like that. To that point, um, by I, the I way, just... Ted, you know, they did that fourth mm-hmm. and one play where they went to the, like that cross buck backfield look where Laporta mm-hmm. comes, you know, like he's going to go into the flat off play action. Everyone sucks up to Laporta and then they go to the backside, like leaking out. Right. I mean, they did so mm-hmm. many things. It feels like the last few weeks where it's almost like Ben Johnson's like, okay, they've seen this. Now we're going to do this off of it. Which to me, that's what great offensive coaching is. Yeah, exactly. He, he's always a step ahead, and I, I love coaches that are creative and aren't afraid to um, just try something that hasn't that nobody's really tried before. And, and Johnson has that, and his ideas work on the field. So it, it's, um, yeah, that's why he's one of the top, you know, head coaching candidates next season. Ted, phil- philosophically, we've se- well, let me let me back up. We've seen Ben Johnson have success with Jared Goff, who you mentioned doesn't handle pressure very well. He's pretty stiff, but if you give him a clean field, he throws dimes. He can throw it. He can sling it, obviously, and that's kind of what's happened here. Do you think Johnson would prefer to work with like a hyper athletic quarterback so he could unlock even more, or like in other words, has he just adapted to what talent he has, and he has a different mission in mind? Like if he had his druthers, what do you think he would prefer? You know, we we haven't seen him with another another quarterback really, so we don't know. But to me, you know, when you have these really smart play design type of uh, offensive coordinators, they want a guy that is able to operate their offense. You know, like Kyle Shanahan. Um, he kind of, you know, he, he kind of um, went in a different direction with the drafting Trey Lance. But typically, you know, he likes guys like Kirk Cousins or Brock Purdy, guys that he can trust to just run his offense, run his plays, and run it cleanly because he, he believes in his designs that they're going to be the things that beat defenses. He, you know, it's nice to have that guy that could create second reaction plays, but um, his offense works so well that you don't really need those second reaction plays. And, um, you know, I think Ben Johnson will kind of follow that line of thinking just because that's where he's been successful. 
we were just talking end of last hour and taking some calls. Mel Kuyper was mocking Jaden Daniels to Washington at number two, when for the most part, everybody seems to think if Williams goes 1-1, that Drake May would go 2-2 to Washington. I don't know that you've studied the film on those guys yet, so if you haven't, feel free to say that. But I'm just curious if you have a thought on you know the top quarterbacks in this class yet or kind of what you're thinking at the top of the board. Yeah, I haven't really studied these guys yet. I, I mean, I've seen them on Saturday, and I, I've watched you know all 22 games here and there, but I haven't really um, gotten into the weeds to give you a, a great take on it quite yet. What's your take? Who's going to win the Super Bowl ultimately for, based on what we've seen in this divisional round? I like the Ravens. I just I think um, Mike McDonald is is awesome at what he does. Um, you know, just that defense is playing at such a high level right now, and Lamar Jackson is playing at such a high level, and Todd Monken has really given him um, all the answers he needs to figure out and, and solve defenses. I think they're the type of team that could just uh, morph into whatever is necessary to beat you. They could beat you in so many different ways um, that it, it's hard that I think – the Ravens are, and we watched what the Ravens did to the Niners. You know, they have beaten good teams by double digits, you know. So, um, to me, I think um, the Ravens are the top team. Obviously, they're going to have to get over a big, big hurdle this week by beating Patrick Mahomes um, in the AFC Championship. But uh, I, I think um, they're the top dog right now. All right, last thing before I let you go. There's several teams that need coordinators, Steelers, Raiders, uh, maybe even Patriots could be looking for an OC, right? Uh, Washington, depending on who they hire as a head coach, if they hired Dan Quinn or um, if they went the route of Raheem Morris or something, they would need an OC. Similarly, if they get Ben Johnson, they'll need a DC. Uh, Who are some names, offense, defense, that you've studied that you like in terms of if you were looking for coordinators this cycle, what you might dive into? Yeah, uh, you know, Eric Bieniemy. I know you guys are familiar with him. I thought, you know, he he did a pretty good job with the the Washington offense. And um, I think – but the one thing with him is I I think a lot of coaches that would hire him would want him to run the ball more. Um, There's Zach Robinson, who is the QB coach and uh, pass game coordinator uh, for the Rams. Uh, He he comes from a PFF background. so He worked with PFF for a little while, so he kind of understands analytics. And to me, that's important to – um, kind of just be a, a, a modern coach, and he's worked with Sean McVay, and you know he hasn't called play before, called plays before, but I think he has a really interesting background, and he's had the right grooming. Um, and you know Bobby Sloak didn't call plays, but he similarly he's where he worked with PFF, and uh, he worked with Kyle Shanahan, and we saw the job he did with the Texans this year. Um, and Clint Kubiak, who's the past game coordinator for the Niners, uh, you know Kubiak obviously has a background in coaching with his dad. And he's called plays before and uh, just kind of going through the Kyle Shanahan uh, coaching rehab program. You know, I think he's an interesting name as well. Ted, really appreciate the time, man. Great info. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Be well. There's Ted Wynn, The Athletic, joining us on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Good information from him. You know, we were talking about the quarterback position. We can get back into a couple of those calls here in a moment. Uh, But Jaden Daniels, Drake May, top of the draft board. What's funny is that. I'm sure that all of the mocks, for the most part, they're going to have Williams 1-1, I would think, throughout the process. But everything's going to change. And the same people are going to do five mocks and do it three or four different ways. Sometimes it's because that's the way you see it. Other times it's because you got new information or maybe you just want to you know, stir the conversation one way or the other. You need a new round of clicks on your internet post. It's all part of it. Here's what I do think, though. I think that the top three quarterbacks go 1-2-3. 
I just don't see a path to that not happening with Chicago having pick number one and the ability to trade Justin Fields. That, to me, will happen. Washington needing a quarterback, too. And then the Patriots have the third pick. Why wouldn't New England take May or Daniels, whoever's there, at number three? Why would they risk moving back and waiting on quarterback? It's the same thing we're talking about here in D.C. You would think lesson learned there, right? Just based on the rest of the league, uh, their own experience. Now, they tried to make it happen with Mac Jones. It, it, it didn't work for a million reasons. You know, Jones kind of fell off the planet. Uh, you had That's a guy, by the way, <clears throat> he never, to me, looked like he could be star player at all. Like, after one year, to me, I was kind of like... a good rookie year. But he was good enough that you thought yeah. he could be a middle-of-the-pack NFL starter. And he just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, when when they had Matt Patricia as his offensive coordinator, but like they didn't really have one. The whole thing was a mess. The worst talent in the league, especially on that side of the ball. But you need you, that's what you need. Now's the time to start fresh. You're always you know out trying to you know Belichick was always trying to prove he was smarter than everybody else. He's gone now. You sort of you know wipe the whole thing clean and kind of start anew. I think there's less pressure there. At three, obviously, you know you'd want to be able to take your pick at the litter, but the guy that ends up going second or third a lot of times. You just see Houston, right? Carolina could do whatever they wanted. They took the the consensus number one player in Young, and next thing you know, Houston's infinitely better off than they are less than seven months later. Let's go to Chudy, who wants to chime in, has been waiting in Gainesville on Grant and Danny. What's up, Chudy? How are you? You there, buddy? Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, Grant, man, no, I, I'm with you all the way. I'm, I'm with Drake May. Uh, I think it's just the intangibles. I think he's got what it takes. Um, nothing against Jaden Daniels, but I think the frame speaks against him. And then if we go back last year, um, you know, even though it didn't happen, and I'm not comparing the two, a lot of people had Washington maybe taking Anthony Richardson. And, you know, people felt that, oh, Anthony Richardson has, like, the skill set. He was doing pretty well with Indiana. And then, boom, separated shoulder, out for the year. And now <laughs> the challenge will be trying to scheme to protect him whether it's on himself or the OC. So i got to go with uh, Drake May. I'm not saying he's safe, but I think he's just a better choice. Appreciate you. Thanks, dude. Yeah, to be clear, I would be really excited if they got Jaden Daniels. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he would be their most athletic, kind of freakish, dual threat maybe they've ever had. I mean, certainly since a healthy Robert Griffin. But Daniels is different, man. About midway through the season, I started wanting him to win the Heisman, watching all of his games. He was doing some insane things. I mean, he is... He's just a special player, and he's must-watch television. If you enjoy watching Lamar Jackson, who's probably the most fun player in the NFL to watch when it's going good, you could get used to watching Jaden Daniels and Burgundy and Gold. For me, the reason I would say May is, you, you can say I'm in a box, and I probably am, because look at my life. I eat the same things. I, I drive places the same way you <laughs> joke about it. But like I'm, I think it's safer. It's a big-bodied, pocket-passing athlete which to me is kind of what I'm looking for. I'm a little more still of the belief of, hey, everyone in the yard knows you're going to throw it. you got to be able to make the throw. There's some questions about May, too, for the record. Accuracy down the field. Numbers were not great. Uh, Javel, who called in at the end of last hour, was saying, you know, and he made a good point, like, what has Drake May done, you compare it to Jaden Daniels, that makes you think this is some can't-miss prospect? And to that, I would say he didn't have, like, the Joe Burrow season. No. Totally fair. But you're not drafting guys based on college performance. If that was the case, just, hey, you were great in the SEC, 
Kellen Mond and a bunch of dudes would have turned into really good NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, Josh Heupel from Oklahoma years ago would be right. a superstar. Jason yeah. White with 40 touchdowns and a Heisman at Oklahoma or Johnny Manziel. Like, those guys would have been great pros. That's not how it works. You're drafting traits. You're drafting tools. You're drafting attributes. I think May does a lot of the things you're looking for. And, I, I again, I just think it's a more natural transition. I think there's a it's a it's the way they used him was very pro-style. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that a league that's trending toward looking a lot like Saturdays compared to you know where it used to be. Clearly, that's college offense. This is pro offense. It's all kind of starting to blend together anyway. I'm not, I'm not telling you Jaden Daniels won't be a superstar. He might be if Washington got him at two, and that's who they loved. Let's rock and roll, no problem. I just think right now you're asking me on January 22nd, I would feel a lot more comfortable with May in Ben Johnson's offense if he's their head coach than him doing something I've never seen him do before, which is build a new offense. I want him to run his Detroit offense here. That's why I love Ben Johnson. I think it would be an entirely new thing for J- Excuse me. For- ben Johnson alert. For Jaden Daniels. That all makes sense. I mean, so the question I, I have is, and this is what I, I think about this with great offensive minds. It's my biggest complaint about the enemy this year, to be honest with you, is – you do what's best for who you got, right? Like the Kyle Shanahan corollary. I don't think Kyle Shanahan, when if he sits down and goes, here's my perfect offense, here's how I'd want to run it. It's, it involves the pistol and that 50 series and read option uh, that he ran with Robert Griffin in 2012. Well, that was the best that they could do, right? And that offense was really, really good. You, you go around like, I would love to have a quarterback that could do X, Y, Z, that I can uh, you know, have on all these bootlegs and move out of the pocket and do this, that, and the other. That's not really Jared Goff's strength. So Ben Johnson has created something where Goff can thrive, right? I wonder if he goes, now I can I can make up my offense in a lab for the sake of argument. I have no idea. Yeah, but what if his whole dream is, man, I'd love to be Todd Munkin. Yeah, you it, know, like, it include, exactly. It includes seven to ten uh, passes on the run by my athletic quarterback where if he doesn't like it, he gets to tuck it and run it because then I can do this look and that look and this play action and this thing under center off of that. I have no idea. Right, because there's still some unknown there, and I'd love to find that out. But listen, it would be hard to complain about the Heisman Trophy winner, unbelievable athletic skill set with a cannon for an arm who's accurate as all hell. I love that Randall Cunningham comp, by the way. I hadn't even thought of that because it's a throwback. Uh, and I blocked most of that out because all of his great games were against Washington, numbers approximate. But the like how like sort of long and athletic he is, and sort of bendy and able to to, to avoid some really sharp contact at times, and you know make those backbreaking slings down the field. He is a star, and there is a pretty good chance that that guy ends up great in the NFL if he goes to a good spot. I just Cunningham's another guy who's thirty pounds heavier than uh, Jaden Daniels. You know, I just think it it is a reality yep. when you're talking about this league running around, taking on contact, taking on hits. If you weigh 185 pounds at quarterback, it's my biggest worry. Can he get to 200, 205? Maybe. I don't think he's going to be weighing 215, 220. That's what the that's what Lamar weighs. That's what Robert weighs. You know, that's what kind of the lighter dudes who take on contact and sometimes don't hold up well. Those guys still weigh 215. And he's listed, I don't know what he weighs this second as he's sitting at home, but he's listed, you know, at 185. Um, but it's going to be a fun conversation. And look, the, the, it's so exciting. I mean, what they're going to get a quarterback. Yep. And it's either going to be one of the the true like pro style passers like May. Uh it could be a duel between the two of them, Caleb Williams. It could be the dual threat who can run around and be electric. Jaden Daniels just won a Heisman. 
It's going to be a fun conversation. I just didn't like the, the idea that it's disrespectful to point out flaws for a prospect in a game where there's no sure things. No, the, Drake May's got flaws. Jaden Daniels is going to have some warts. Caleb Williams is going to have some warts. It's not disrespectful. Yeah, it's, a, it's a conversation. This is this is the discussion. There are questions that we're asking, right? In other words, you you may believe they're solved, but you know th- those kinds of questions have dogged and plagued everybody. Uh, that gets picked apart in this whole draft process that's completely inaccurate, and it's a coin toss, uh, even when people are certain. I just got something sent to me today uh, from Sports Info Solutions on target rate by throw depth, where Drake May is actually ranked 15th of the you know, the top guys in this class in terms of accuracy in some of the downfield areas. So I want to dive into that a little bit more as well. Uh, good conversations today. A lot of fun, as always. Tons of football, as you'd expect, in January as we're breaking down the playoffs. we got overtime coming your way next here on The Fan with Linnell. We're back at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Want to talk about the Eric Bieniemy interview a little bit more and want to get into uh, the quarterback conversation that we just started here at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away Caps tickets right at 4 o'clock during our Beltway Blitz. Keep it here for overtime. Thanks for listening to The Fan. Thank you for coming. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.